0: This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. This is season three, episode five of the Adoptive Mom Podcast. And I am Alex Fitton, your host. Y'all, we've been back for five whole weeks now. And as always, I am humbled beyond measure to hear how this little podcast is touching people's lives that I don't even know. It brings me so much joy to know that these amazing guests that I bring on the show can impact you guys' lives. If this is true of you, will you take a minute to leave a review on iTunes? It'll only take a second, I promise. And you can even do it while you listen, like right now. You can do it right now. Today, however, I'm going to introduce you guys to Christine Bauer. If you've been a listener for a while, you'll remember back in season two when we were plugging Christine's book, Those Three Words, in honor of Birth Mother's Day. I'm so excited that I finally get to air her interview now. I love, love, love when I get to showcase birth mother stuff and how we as adoptive parents can better include that third important piece of the adoption triad. We talked about her story and her passion to bring awareness for birth mothers and to stifle that stigma that often sur- surrounds this important decision. So we'll get to Christine in just a minute, but I want to remind you all to go and sign up for my weekly email at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email. It doesn't get more simple than that. And um, that's another thing that you guys can do right now. This will bring you guys updates, resources, and of course the weekly episodes right into your inbox every Monday morning. It's like a hello from me to start off your week. And um, like I said, do it right now. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources mentioned in this episode, including Christine's amazing book. With all of that said, let's head over to my interview with Christine Bauer. Welcome, everyone, and welcome to Christine Bauer. I'm so excited to chat with you because I've been plugging your book for the, uh, the end part of season two, and now I get to interview you for season three, which is so fun. So how is it going? How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I, I
1: love telling my story and talking about the gift of adoption.
0: Absolutely. I'm excited to hear it because I think that your story is so powerful and it's so important for all women who are choosing adoption for their child to know that this is where we're, we're done or we should be done with the age where that's something that needs to be swept under the rug. And so I love, love, love hearing empowered voices who are, are like, here's my story. Let's talk about it. So on that note, let's talk about it. Just tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay.
1: Well, I am, um, first and foremost, a proud and happy mom and grandma. Um, I have um, three children, um, Katie, um, whom I placed for adoption and grew up with a lovely family. And um, I feel like we're just all one big happy family. Um, And Katie's 33. And then I have a son, Dylan, who's 21, and a um, son, Jared, who's 18. And then I have a granddaughter who's three and another grandchild on the way. Um, and then I also have um, a family the, of the canine variety. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have do- a, a dog and, and two grand dogs. So they're also an important part of the family. But, no, I'm, I'm really, really blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. And so um, – Aside from being a writer, is that something that you've been mm-hmm. doing for a long time, or is that like a side gig? or what part of your life is that?
1: Yeah, I have always been um, a writer as far as um, you know, I, I have always loved reading and writing in books. Uh, this is my first book I've ever published, um, but I have been writing off and on my whole life. Um, you know, I worked for my student newspaper. I worked for my college newspaper. And I majored in communications, and so I, um, my first job out of college was as a writer for a corporate uh, publication. And then I've just I've been doing marketing and communications for almost thirty years now. So it's just in my blood. It's uh I, it's what I do. Um, and actually, I'm taking a break from kind of the corporate marketing thing and um, just taking a couple months to focus on my book and promoting my book and doing some more writing. So. Excited,
0: fun, girl. I was a com major too, so solidarity there. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I at my core, I'm a writer. But I had a blog, and then people stopped reading those, so I transferred over to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Yeah.
1: But that's so exciting.
0: I love hearing other com majors. It's fun. Yeah. Um, Okay, so. I know that, like I said, for those of you who have not listened to when I've been plugging her book like crazy because it's so important and awesome, she uh, she wrote a book. I mean, you know, there's a newsflash for you, but your book is about your, your story of being a birth mom and placing your child for adoption. And you hinted at that earlier when you talked about your daughter, Katie. So what uh-huh. is that? What is that whole story? Start at the beginning and just tell us all about it.
1: Um, well, I I've discovered I was pregnant when I was uh, 18 years old, and just weeks into my freshman year of college, and I was devastated. Um, I had been using birth control, and uh, you know, doesn't always work. Um, so I was just, um, like I said, I, I just was um, kind of sideswiped by it all, and. Um, I just felt I was not ready to be a mom at 18. I I emotionally was not um, in uh, a place to be a good mom. And so um, I really struggled with my decision. I I did consider all my options um, and I did consider abortion. Um, And I, you know, I'm glad that I didn't take that road, but I totally support um, the right to choose Um, so anyway, it was just that it was an agonizing decision. It was really hard. And, um, I, I ended up, you know, going the adoption route and the open adoption. Um, so I knew, um, Katie's parents and, and, um, got to know them. Um, and so went through with the, um, adoption and just could not have, um, been more blessed with finding amazing parents for my daughter And, um, yeah, she's 33 now, and um, I was actually there for the birth of my granddaughter. So, um, I mean, I I just feel like it was all meant to be, and uh, um, it turned out great. Um, But that doesn't mean it wasn't hard. Um, It was hard. It was really hard. The hardest thing I've ever done is is hand my my newborn child over. Um, But um, they they are beautiful, wonderful parents, and, and Katie had a good life.
0: Yeah. So, let's dive into some of some of the aspects here. So, you talked about considering all of your options and you know, I've I've told you but you know, I've talked to several birth moms throughout the podcast's yep. life and that's something that resonates with every single one of them and even if even if they're completely pro-life before becoming pregnant, every single one still considers abortion. Why do you think that is That Even if it goes against your morals, even if it's something you would have, you know, quote, never considered before it actually happened to you. Why, why do you think that still goes through your mind?
1: Yeah. Well, that's interesting that, that those, that, um, that was the reaction from people. A monumental thing to be caring, um, you know, being a potential mother. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think, um, it crosses everybody's mind because it's just like, what is the, you know, what is the right thing to do and what is the right thing for me? Um, I, you know, a lot of people just could not go through with adoption um, because it's really, really hard. And then other people I know couldn't couldn't go through um, with having an abortion um, just because of their... um, their belief system and kind of what's happening in their life set their life at that time. Um, and again, I just, I just don't think you ever know what you will really do until you're in that situation. So for people to say, I would do this or do that, they, you know, um, right. it's not necessarily what you actually would do. And that's why I, um, I really struggle with, um, other people, particularly men, um, trying to have a say in, um, a woman's right to choose or reproductive health, um, overall. Um, I just think it's such a personal decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize. I'll cut this part out. My son just came in the room. So (laughs) yeah, he's three, so, uh, doesn't take naps anymore and it kind of cramps my recording style sometimes. Uh, I'm writing down the time so I can cut this part out of the podcast. Um, I love it. Yeah. He's anyway, he's a mess, but I love him. Um, okay. So yeah, absolutely. And, and talking to women who did, um, who did go that route and who didn't and who chose abortion, it has been fascinating to me because you're right. I think that as someone who's never been in that situation, I want to say, oh, absolutely not. I would never, you know, but that's not. That's not what happens, you know, as humans, our flight or fight or flight or just whatever uh, survival um, responses come into play. And there's no way we can we can say with definite accuracy what we would do or what we would choose or whatever else. And and that's part of what what I strive to do on this podcast is as someone who's just simply an ally or advocate to never judge someone by what decision they make, because in those situations, you know, we don't, we don't know. And, and you didn't know when you were there. Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward, I mean, you've, what, at what point in your pregnancy did you choose adoption? I
1: was, um, not that far into my pregnancy. I had just, um, Found out, and I don't want to give too much away from my book. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was within the the first two months, um, okay. and um, I knew. Yep, yep, and I knew that um, you know I decided that um, that um, terminating the pregnancy wasn't what I was going to do, mm-hmm. and again, I just um, as much, I just was not ready to be a mom, um, and so it was like, okay, I think I can go down this route and have, you know, give this gift, um, of, a, of, uh, adoption and make a family complete. Right. And so I decided, um, pretty early on, but I mean, throughout the entire pregnancy, I, I would go back and forth, you know, with, can I really do this? Is this really the right thing? Um, maybe I can be a good mom. Um, you know, it's, it's, and, and until that, the very end, you just don't know if you'll be able to do it.
0: Right. So let's talk some about the stigma back back then. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, you said your daughter's in her 30s now. And so that was yep. obviously a little while ago. Um, yep. I know that adoption was, I mean, kind of the, the the culture around having a baby anyway was like within marriage, abortion that you just don't talk about or mm-hmm. adoption that you also just don't talk about. So Mm -hmm. what was kind of, what was, what was kind of the culture, the air around, around this decision for you and around this time? Yeah. I mean, it
1: would, it was definitely, um, not accepted like it is now to be a single mom. I mean, Mm -hmm. for, you know, for one thing. So that is one, there was that stigma of if I would, you know, keep the baby, there is this single mom, um, thing. And, um, and I grew up Catholic uh, so that's another factor that was weighing in. Yeah. Uh, and I was from a small town and, you know, everybody knows everybody's business kind of thing. So, I mean, I think there were a lot of sensitivities um, that way. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't, um, people didn't talk about issues and personal things as much as they do now. And so I did feel feel like there was this, I really couldn't talk about it. Um, I didn't feel comfortable talking about it, um, and uh, and I think that just kind of goes with the times. Um, you know, what? I have several good friends who are adopted, and I think back to their moms and, um, you know, what they went through. I mean, it was even, you know, the further back you go, the kind of the worse it was as far as this stigma or you're a bad person or... Um, you know, there there was this kind of shame. Um, and so, you know, I'm glad to see that things are continually progressing and that we are more compassionate and understanding and accepting of people, you know, whether they decide to be a single mom or if they place their baby for adoption. It just seems that um, there's more acceptance and compassion around that.
0: Yeah. And even within, I mean, you, you mentioned that you grew up Catholic and even within the Christian community, I feel like that is progressing as well to honor someone's choice and to not just have it. If it doesn't fit in this box, then we're not going to support you because I think that that that's something that even back Sarah Avery, what she said um, and I love quoting this. She said, you know, abortion clinics tell women you can come here and it'll be okay. We'll take care of you and it'll be okay. And that's what the church should be saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That no matter what your choice, the church should be saying, we will support you if you decide to be a single mom, if you decide to put your baby up for adoption, that you're still, you're still an equal part in this, in this transaction here. Even if, even if you leave the hospital without a child, that doesn't make you just the vessel, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So, um, okay. So and I know that you don't want to give away too much from your book, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but. So you're in the hospital and where, was there ever a moment where you, where you teetered on that decision? Um, I know that there's, like I said, I'm not sure what it was back then, but I know that right now, you know, in these, this day and age, there's like a 10 day grace period where you could have changed your mind. You obviously Mm -hmm. didn't, but was there ever a time when you, you, you teetered on that decision?
1: Yeah. I, you know, when I was, um, laying in the hospital bed and she was down the hall and I was, um, laying there feeling, empty uh, and and alone, and um, I knew she was down the hall, and I kept saying, you know, don't go down there, don't go down there, and um, don't go pick her up and run out the door, Um, so it was hard, and actually, in um, my situation, and I don't know what the laws are now, um, I had a six-month time that I could have changed my mind. Wow. Which is a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, I felt those, you know, in those really first early days and weeks that I would think about it, but then I, you know, once I got home and back to college mm-hmm. and I kind of, um, just was like, that was, you know, that was the past. I'm just moving forward. Um, you know, that, that helped. Um, but absolutely I did have moments where, you know, I was longing for her.
0: hmm And so I- I want to, I want to talk about some, some post birth stuff, but let's back up a little bit. So birth dad, did he, what kind of factor was that? Um, I know that there are so many different ways that birth birth dads, what they say, you know, some of them really push for abortion. Some of them don't yeah. support adoption. They want you to raise the baby and them to just kind of be in the wings for yeah when they feel like it. What was your, what was your situation?
1: Yeah. Um, Katie's, um, birth father was, um, wonderful. I mean, he was really supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, um, I mean, I can't say enough good things about, about that. Um, he did at one point, you know, want to get married and (laughs) I, I just didn't feel that was right for us. Um, and for me, um, and, uh, I think, you know, at times, um, that, you know, that was painful. And, and I did, um, you know, sure that flashed in my mind a few times, but, um, yeah, he was, he was extremely supportive. So, um, I, I give him, um, a lot of credit for that and appreciation.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I think that that's, that story is so rare. Um, and so I, that's, that's awesome. Is he still in her life like you are?
1: He is not. Um, and you know, hopefully someday, um, they will connect. It's more complicated now because my daughter actually lives in New Zealand. And oh, so wow. <laughs> she's far away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, and that, that could happen someday. Okay. Good so, thing for Skype or...
0: <laughs> yeah. I imagine Skype FaceTime or, is a big part of your life.
1: Yeah, or FaceTime. <laughs> FaceTime is a huge part of my life, yes.
0: That's awesome. So, okay. So back to you've had the baby. You've um, mostly decided that this is that you're following through Um, Mm -hmm. and I know that I know that um, the selection of her parents was part of your book and so you'll you'll have to read to get into that but you know whenever I talk to birth moms we it's interesting because everyone's story is so different but there are some key elements that every single one says and one of them (laughs) is that 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 weird feeling that when you leave that hospital You're a parent, kind of, you're postpartum, kind of, Um, and you're normal, kind of, Um, but nothing is full and you don't, you don't really, everyone sees you as the same person, you know, you went back to school, you worked, you did what you do, but you're a completely different person. So talk to us about that.
1: Gosh, I'm kind of getting teary-eyed when you're asking. At-
0: <laughs> I know. I always at, do when I hear these stories. It's- that question.
1: <sighs> yeah. Um, I, you know, in hindsight, it's like I wish I would have talked about it more. I wish I would have been more open about it. But it's hard to do. Um, you know, because on the outside, you don't look any different to people. You know, by the time I got back to school or what, or even, you know, a couple months after having Katie, you um, people didn't know i had a baby or, and, and so you're carrying this inside of you, but you're not talking about it, but you're completely transformed as a person. And, um, I went back to school and I just, um, you know, didn't tell very many people at all. Um, but I was carrying this big thing with me all the time. And, um, so I, you know, I think that, um, in some ways was, well, it all ended up coming out then when I got pregnant with my first um, son. uh, This pregnancy just brought up all these buried emotions. Um, I just spent a lot of time grieving um, during that, my second pregnancy, because it just brought up so much emotion from um, when I had Katie that I just had kind of buried and hadn't dealt with. And so it was this big, you know, not only emotional, but physical thing I could feel. Uh, it was pretty intense. So that's part of why, too, the book has been so cathartic. And, um, you know, sharing that story, um, even though it's really personal, um, it, it's been um, really positive for me. And it's been really positive, too, just to get response from people on their um, experiences with adoption.
0: Yeah, you talked about, I mean, some of these buried emotions and I think that that is completely normal in a situation like Mm -hmm. that. Um, What, what were you supposed to, especially again, back in, back in the day when you gave birth to her, when there wasn't, there weren't a lot of, I'm sorry, there wasn't a lot of support or there weren't a lot of options for you to have outlets to talk about this, but I'm glad Mm -hmm. you, so you brought up your, your, um, your first son. Uh, At what age did you tell your sons about this?
1: They were four and seven when they, um, when Katie came back into our life and that's the beauty of children is they are so accepting and loving. Yeah. I told them they had a sister and they're like, Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> um, and so they just welcomed her with open arms and, you know, it wasn't until years later when they kind of figured out oh, that, you know, they, realized I hadn't always had a relationship just with their father that I'd had a relationship with somebody else. And, um, but overall it was just, um, acceptance and love and one more person in the family.
0: I love that. Were you, um, this is, this is a hard question. I know it is, but you talked about some of those emotions. Was guilt one of them with, with, when you had your first child, your, I'm sorry, your first son. Oh,
1: um, Oh yeah. I'm sh- yeah. Yeah. Um, that was part of it. And, um, yeah. And just, and, um, I did go to counseling then and, and um, worked with somebody. It was kind of like I had been through all the stages of grief, except acceptance, mm. you know, the end, and so really it was more about accepting that, yeah, I did this. It was okay. It was good. Um, I am good. And, uh, I can move forward now.
0: Yeah, I think that that's so important. But um, were you were you afraid ever that Katie would not understand that she would see these other uh-huh. kids that you did um, keep, so to speak? I feel like that's a really inappropriate word. I'm not really sure how else to say yeah. it. But that um, yeah. you chose to parent um, and not her. Were you was there ever fear on your part?
1: No, not so much fear. I mean, um. More just I hope she would yeah I mean I hope she would understand but there is twelve years I think there's twelve years difference um, you know and that that's a that's quite a few years Mm -hmm. that um, you know that I was able to mature and um, become a woman ready to raise children Um, so I you know I think that she probably understood that you know we did talk she and I did talk about it why and um, but Katie is just an amazing young lady and she had an amazing, amazing parents. Uh, and I think part of it, she was, she was raised with the knowledge from the very beginning that she had two mamas that, um, that she didn't grow in, in um, Cindy's tummy. She grew in, in Chrissy's tummy and she had an older brother who was also adopted. Um, so it was just part of their life, um, uh, that that's how the families came together,
0: you
1: know? Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, I hope that made it easier for her um, to understand.
0: I think that's so wonderful. You know, we, we talked earlier about things that, you know, everyone's story is different, but things that come up in everyone's story. And in all of the healthy adoption stories, that's the the main thing that always comes up is that is when a child knows always that, that adoption was a part of their story instead Uh of it being thrown on them at an older age. And so I think that that's great that she knew that and that she knew that it was out of love that you made that decision and that she could ask you those questions or have the freedom to ask her mom those questions. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that yeah, Dennis and Cindy made it a healthy thing. It was, um, that just how their family came together and then at well and then they ended up having Dennis and Cindy had two biological children after they adopted Katie um after trying for many many years uh, they got pregnant right after adopting Katie so uh, <laughs> yeah uh so anyway they have a happy family and um I think that you know it's it is it, you're right it's good to talk about and uh does just make it uh more okay and acceptable. And this is just how our family came together.
0: Yeah. So, um, and I apologize at the beginning, are you, you're married right now or no?
1: Well, I am no longer married. Okay.
0: Uh-uh. I'm going to, I just had to figure Okay. It. okay so, so yep. when you met your, uh, your boy's father, was yep. that something that came up early on? Um, or did you wait a little bit?
1: Yeah. You know what? I did tell him right away, um, within like the first three dates, I think, um, because it was such a big part of my life and not, you know, and then I was finally starting to talk about it more and, um, it was important. I felt it was important that he know that.
0: Yeah. And what was his reaction?
1: Oh, he was, he was great. He thought it was, it was cool and, um, was really supportive
0: that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I know that that's yeah. not always the case for some people. And so, sure. um, I think that, I think that there's fear on some birth mothers part surrounding that, just that there, it's not going to be accepted that they are, that they're just going to be judged again. Um, mm-hmm. and so I love hearing, hearing when men can be mature about this kind of stuff.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It is a maturity thing. And, and, and being open and accepting.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So let's move on to what you've done with this, um, with this life story of yours. Uh, how long ago did you decide to write a book about this?
1: I started writing this book a very long time ago. (laughs) Well,
0: and I, I mean, I, I have been saying
1: really almost 30 years because I kept a journal when I was pregnant with Katie and I kept a journal off and on, um, through, um, my kids early years as well. So I had so much documented, uh, that I had a lot to draw on and, you know, to be able to include journal entries and letters in my book, um, helped. But I mean, that was really when the writing started, I feel like when I was journaling. Yeah. Uh, And then I, I, um, I took different classes, writing classes. And, um, I mean, I, I literally, you know, it was like 25 plus years ago that I went to a writing workshop and had a draft. Then I'd get busy. Well, then I had kids. You know how that is. (laughs) Um, I had my boys and was really busy and I had a career. Um, so I'd work on it off and on when I could. Um, and then, um, I, I really finished it 10 years ago, but I kept, you know, and then I'd off and on, I'd tried to, uh, get a literary agent. So, and really tried to pursue the traditional publishing route Mm -hmm. and it is very difficult. Yeah. And I had many, many rejections and I, but I, there was this part of me, it was like, I don't want to self publish. I want to go traditional. And then finally I just decided, um, a couple years ago, I'm, I have to do this and I'm, I'm self publishing. So I, um, was introduced to Wise Inc. Publishing, and they were just great partners on this journey of, you know, helping um, with edits and getting a book designer and the whole printing process and helping get it up for sale. So it's it's been a great uh, journey. And I'm glad it's finally published.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I have to say, I mean, just in the like all the like shallow aspects of the book, the the cover design is beautiful. And I think that that's great because, you you know, reaching to a younger audience, I mean, I'm sorry, an audience that runs the gamut in ages, but specifically, you know, a a younger audience in respect to when you actually wrote and finished the book. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it really grabs attention. And it looks like something you want to read. And I just think I mean, like I said, that's totally like the shallow aspects of the book. Oh, yeah, we're doing a video <laughs> chat. And she's holding it up right now. It's really cool looking. And it's, yeah. And it's a no, really- that's, that, I appreciate that. And that's really important. And I've heard that from so
1: many people. And because you know, I'm in marketing as a profession. And so I know that good design is important. And um, yeah, that was really that was a fun aspect of it was picking the cover and working with the designer to tweak it. And that's the beauty of self-publishing as well is that you have the opportunity to have that input and mm-hmm. you do have a say in many, many things. and really everything. I mean, you are the ultimate decision maker where if you go with the traditional publishing route, you do not have that much say in all of you know in those different aspects like design and um, some of the editing. So that was really fun. It's been fun.
0: Yeah. So um, did you involve Katie in your writing or in the decision to publish? She has known
1: all along that I've been working on a book. Mm-hmm. And I. she has not yet read it. Um she started it a couple times, but she says she cries too much. <laughs> and she's pregnant right now, too. So I said, you know, you don't have to read it for 10 years or ever. Uh, I'm sure she will someday. But I did get um, her other mother, Cindy, um, to read it. I actually had Cindy read it two different times. Um, once early on, in you know, when the manuscript was getting close to final, and then before it went to the printer. Mm because I wanted to make sure she was comfortable with it and if she thought Katie would be comfortable with it. And, uh, Cindy gave it a two thumbs up. So that was really comforting to me. And I really appreciated that. Um, and I wanted to make sure I had all the, you know, my memory was serving me correctly <laughs> as far as, um, timeline and people and, and, um, some of those things. So, um, that was, and she gave me a, uh, she even wrote a review for me. I need to, I need to, post that. I don't know that I have. Uh, so the, anyway, that meant the world to me.
0: Yeah, that's like, that's like the review that you want, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, it is. You're right. It absolutely is. That's so cool. Um, and so, okay, what is your favorite chapter of the book without going into too much detail, just like the, you know, the the Cliff, not Cliff Notes version, what am I trying to say? Like just the, you know, one sentence, what the chapter is about and then also what was the hardest chapter for you? Oh, my favorite. Oh,
1: my favorite chapter is when Katie uh, came and we reconnected for the first time and my boys were here and then the, yeah, and then the letters she wrote me after our first visit. And the hardest one would be where um, I held her as a baby and told her I loved her and that I would see her again someday, but I had to say goodbye for now. So those are those are the two.
0: Those are I can see why those would be the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So when we were. Talking or we're moving into closing questions, but you brought up Cindy, and I think that one of the most important conversations that I have with birth moms is just this um this fear stigma that adoptive moms have of you guys, to be quite frank. And I as an adoptive mom myself, it's so hard for me to walk that fence between adamantly being like, no, you know, we shouldn't be afraid, guys, and yet on the inside being afraid. Um, mm-hmm. As someone who I'm sure, I mean you're you're not stupid. I'm sure you knew that there was fear involved, or that there could be, or um, that that was something you were afraid of. As you know, being like, "Hey, I'm not trying to take your kid, but oh. I still want to be there." So, oh, sure. was that hard for you? And then, how did Cindy overcome that, or how was she? How did she get there?
1: Yeah, they were. You know, I just can't say enough good things about them. Um, they were so secure. In how they, you know, in their love for Katie, that they weren't threatened by me. Um, They were open enough that they left it up to me. I mean, I could go and meet Katie and hang out with Katie anytime I want. They left that door open. I decided that I didn't want to do that, that it would be best if Katie decided when she wanted to meet me. And I, you know, I, Cindy and Dennis had also gone through Dennis's, um, Katie's dad and he's awesome. Dennis and Cindy, um, their older son had been adopted as well. And they had, um, it was open and they had some interaction with the birth mom. Mm. Um, so they had experience with that. Um, and I, I, you know, and I've never, I've never really talked to Cindy about that, that maybe there was this, oh my gosh, you know, what if she comes back and is here all the time or something. But, um, I just felt that their family that, you know, that was their family and they deserve to, um, be a family and love each other and just know that, um, I was glad that I helped make that happen. Um, but I didn't want, I didn't want to interfere in Katie's life. I mean, I think it's hard enough being a kid and especially a teenage girl that I didn't want to put that burden on her that, you know, um, that I'm going to come into your life. So, um, I hope that answers that the right way. Um, I just think, you know, um, the whole process and the whole, you know, Katie has two moms and I'm okay with that. Uh, that helped make it all so, so good and and easy.
0: Yeah, and I want to highlight a couple of things that you said. So I love that you said that they were so secure in their love for her and that that's not, that that's A, them making themselves not the main characters in her story, which I think is so cool because it wasn't about them and they recognized that. And then on your side, you recognize that while your story is your story and that's what the book is about, her story is not your story. It's not about you and that you're not the main character there. And so all of you loved her so much that you wanted the best thing for her. And I think that that is so incredibly selfless. And I wish that that was the case for so many, but it's not. I've talked to so many moms who even have great birth moms, but they're just afraid. It's, it's kind of that, you know, you hold onto something so tightly and you feel like that's going to keep it from getting away, but it's the opposite. Um, Yeah.
1: That was a fabulous summation. Thank you.
0: (laughs) But I'm just so inspired by it because that's not the case for so many people. And, and even, I mean, again, I keep going back that she's in her thirties. Now that was over 30 years ago. And those kind of stories were so much more rare Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, adoption was adoption, abortion, just anything outside of like, um, you know, two married people having a kid and raising that kid, which is not talked about. And for that to be so healthy back then is amazing. And
1: yeah,
0: I just, I love, I love hearing that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, that is a good description of it. That it is a very healthy relationship and it was all along. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really blessed, um, that, that they are so wonderful, and you're right. It was and is all about our daughter. Um, she she's the she's the one. She's the star. That's cool. What does she call you, by the way? Sometimes she calls me mom. Sometimes she calls me Chrissy. Chrissy, that's like yeah. that's like a cute mom nickname. Yeah, yeah
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. And sometimes, and I I when I started when we reconnected, and I. You know, sometimes I sign my letters, Chrissy mom, um, <laughs> or just mom, but yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: So, um, are you good to move into some of these closing questions? Sure. Yep. Awesome. So, uh, what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this journey? So, I mean, you're freshly pregnant and you don't even really know what you're going to decide. What do you wish that someone had told you?
1: Have faith and it's all going to be okay to that, be
0: that's so powerful because, uh, you know, those, it's going to be okay, seems cliche, but sometimes that's exactly what you need to hear. Um, mm-hmm. And I imagine it would have been hard for you to believe it, but looking back now, you know that to be true.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's, it's better than I could have ever imagined.
0: Yeah. It really
1: is. It really is. That's so cool. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. So what is something you wish you had done differently? along the journey at any point? I
1: wish I had started talking about it a lot sooner <laughs> than 33 years later. Uh, you know, especially back when I was in college, uh, and even early, even though my, my, um, ex-husband now, um, but husband then, I mean, um, you know, we didn't really talk about it with his family. My family didn't even talk about it that much. I mean, with my, my mother and my sister who were really instrumental in how everything played out and getting me connected with Dennis and Cindy, uh, you know, um, besides my sister and, you know, we didn't talk about it as a family, as a whole, like with my dad and my brothers, we really didn't talk about it that much. Uh, and, um, my brother recently read the book and he was so cute uh, because he was like, I feel so bad. I didn't do more. I didn't do more. And I said, well, don't feel bad. Cause I didn't, you know, I, it wasn't just you. It was all of us that didn't talk about it. And I think it was part of just the, the time we were living in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I, I, um, that is the, the biggest thing I would have done differently is just talk more about it. And, um, be proud of it and, and happy that I was able to bring this beautiful person into the world and, um, and, um, help this family that I love very much.
0: Yeah. That's like, that's great. Um, okay. So how is it, what is the way that your tribe supported you at that time?
1: So going through the whole process, the pregnancy, childbirth, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister was amazing. She had me asked me to come live with her, and so I lived with her and uh, was her tag along for many months. And <laughs> she was actually my birth coach, so she was in the room when Katie was born. She connected the dots to uh, me meeting Dennis and Cindy, and placing my baby with Dennis and Cindy and the story, it still sometimes just boggles my mind that it worked out so beautifully and how all these stars aligned that we all connected. Um, I don't know if you remember from the book, the, the proudies, the, the couple. Um, so there were a couple who my sister knew that knew Dennis and Cindy and it's how we all got together. Um, it it just feels like it was all meant to be, um, and I am. Although I'm not particularly religious, I'm very very spiritual, and I believe in a, a higher power. And I somehow, I do think that um, somebody had a hand in all this. Helped yeah. it, helped it along.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So the, you know, the other less fun side of that question is, what is a way that you felt unsupported or misunderstood?
1: I think when, you know, there were times when I tell people that, you know, I placed a baby for adoption and I would feel like um, maybe they didn't think I was a loving enough person or a caring enough person. and um, But... You know, you have to be loving and caring to to um, entrust your baby with somebody else um, when you know you're not ready to be a mother. So um, I think there is that that misunderstanding of, you know, why would you do that?
0: Yeah. Or just I mean, and I'm not sure that this is part of your story, but I imagine it is just that you don't fit the typical like stereotype of a birth mom. And I imagine that that kind of blew people's minds sometimes. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, what, uh, what are some ways that you would encourage women both on both sides of the adopt of their adoption story? So women that are pregnant and don't know what to do. And then oh. also separately women who are on the other side and maybe aren't talking about it or, or don't know, um, I don't know, don't know who to turn to or what to do. Aside from me he- reading your book, which is an obvious good yes. thing that people should do. <laughs> Um, I think
1: if you're facing an unplanned pregnancy, you know, just really taking time to, um, think about yourself and your future and what you want and your baby's future, if you choose to, to, um, continue, um, you know, and really you have to just do some soul searching. And I think talking to other moms on both sides of the um, the aisle is is um, probably a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and um, be kind to yourself. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Um, and it isn't anything to be ashamed of or... Um, to be hard on yourself about. Um, it happens a lot. It happens all the time. And um, yeah, and and you're good. And remember that, take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, oh, that's amazing. I'm like, I mean, that's such, that's such good advice for anyone who's facing a hard situation where they have to make a decision for themselves. And maybe women who don't feel like that decision is theirs because of their parents or because of a birth dad or something like that, but that decision is yours and that you need to be kind to yourself in that decision. I think that that is so, so, so powerful. Um, Okay, and then here's a wild card question for you. But how do you celebrate Birth Mother's Day every every year? You know what?
1: I didn't even know about Birth Mother's Day until this year. (laughs) I know, so I've been missing out all these years.
0: Yeah, girl, you could have been getting presents all this time. I know, I know. So thank you for bringing it to my attention.
1: (laughs) Um, you know, somebody that came up in some interview, um, somebody asked me about Mother's Day and for years, you know, before I had my boys, you know, in this, these 12 years where I was really a mom, but mm-hmm. nobody recognized it. It was Mother's Day. They were, they were hard. Gosh, they were, I imagine. Uh, and, um, so I'm really happy to hear that there is a birth Mother's Day and absolutely it should be celebrated.
0: Yeah. Well, and just as an adoptive mom, Mother's Day can tend to be hard. As an Okay, so I have a, I had two adoptions, one from birth and one when the ch- he was older and remembers everything. And so Mother's Day is particularly hard because of him, because he would often act out, he would have a lot of trauma relapses on that day. And so it was often a really bad day for me <laughs> as an adoptive mom. And so I think that adoptive moms with children who remember and birth moms, they kind of share that, that it's, it's, it's out of brokenness that adoption even happens. And mother's Mm -hmm. day is a reminder of that all around. And so I'm so excited that birth mother's day exists and that they're right there together. That birth mother's day is the day before. And so you're celebrating that brokenness in, I think the best possible way, Um, Mm -hmm. instead of just saying like, Oh, that didn't happen. We're here to celebrate me today. um, That, Everyone wins there, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Motherhood is amazing and we should be celebrating and supporting each other always.
0: Yeah. Oh, amen, sister. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So where can we find your book? I'm so excited to be able to share this part of the interview because it's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, You can
1: um, find my book on my website, which is um, authorcbauer.com. You can purchase it there and find out um, other information. Um, It's also available on Amazon and some select stores in the um, Minneapolis-St. Paul area.
0: Hopefully more to come.
1: Yes, hopefully more to
0: come. Absolutely. I'm working on it. That is so cool. Well, yeah, I'm glad to know that your author page, because I've been plugging the Amazon page, um, but... If you've read it, if you're one of the people that have listened and read the book, please leave a review on Amazon because that's going to help get this book into more hands, which is so important. And Christine, where can we find you other than your book on social media or blog or wherever?
1: Yeah, I am on Twitter at um, authors, um, C. Bauer. And I am on Facebook. I have an author page on Facebook. Although I think I'm going to just combine that with my regular Facebook page because I there's no separation. It's my life. Well, <laughs> my book and my life are all like, the same. Um,
0: and the algorithm and so the, Nazis are keeping people from seeing yeah. your stuff that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, cool.
1: So, yeah, I would. I yeah, I would love to have people follow um, and friend me, and I. I'm all about supporting moms of all kinds, and um, again, like it's it's a huge job, and we need to support each other, and um, and uh, yeah, it's um, as you know, it's it's the best job but the most difficult job. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we need to lift each other up.
0: Yes. And if you are an adoptive mom out there listening or a birth mom, I hope that you're inspired by Christine's story that Katie had so many parents that surrounded her and loved her throughout her life. And that can be your story too, Um, that this doesn't, the stigma can end today. And it's people like Christine who are helping further that initiative. And so thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for gifting the world with this book and I don't know, thanks for sharing it. I feel so honored that this is your first podcast and that yeah. you, you've used this platform to share your stuff. I think it's so, it's so it's such an honor. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Alex. It was a pleasure and keep doing the great work that you're doing.
0: Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.